0: Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Wow, wow, wow. You are too kind. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. All right. Praise the Lord. And while you're clapping, would you celebrate your pastor and first family, Pastor Scott? Come on, celebrate them. Amen. Look at that table. Thank you guys so much for having us. Uh, I know, you thought I was Tony Evans, right? (laughs) I get it a lot, I hate to disappoint you. I am not Tony Evans, nor am I kin to Tony Evans. Uh, I've heard of him. To be honest with you, my wife listened to him more than she listens to me, but I'm not him. Uh, Secondly, I know this is our first date and like most first dates, you're on one end of the sofa and I'm on the other end of the sofa and you're trying to figure me out whether or not I'm gonna preach too long, I'm gonna do that asthmatic thing that most people do in my culture of preaching, no. And I'm trying to figure you out if you're gonna clap, if I preach the word of God and you're gonna say amen. So hopefully by the middle time of the date, We'll be in the middle of the sofa, and Jesus will be in the midst of us. Is that okay? Amen. And then, thirdly, uh, preaching is dialogical. In other words, there's an interaction. It's kind of like playing tennis. I hit you the ball, and you clap and hit me back the ball. I preach the word, you say, Amen. Amen, amen. Amen. And then finally, before I get into reverse the river, I'm a retired Marine. So, oorah, oorah, simplify. Been a drill instructor for two years, 96 to 98. So I have a tendency to have a little rise and reflection in my voice. Don't let that scare you, I just got excited. That's all that is. Praise God. So Pastor Scott has been talking about reversing the river. And I did my research, and I found it a very phenomenal story in our history that this gentleman saw an issue in the city of Chicago. And though he was part of the residency there, he didn't sit back and just watch people die. Something in him wanted to do something about the problem. And it reminds me, of what God sent us here to do. We're not of this world. We come from a greater place and God sent us here to make a difference. Yeah, he sent us here. And when he sent us here, he wanted us to have us glorify him here in the earth realm, that when they see us, they see God. And when we saw problems, we would fix them just like God would want them to be fixed. This man, Mr. Chesbro, saw that the water was polluted, people were dying, and I saw the, the illustration of how they dug a ditch on the backside of a plane deep enough and wide enough that it would cause the river to go in reverse. Here's the incredible thing that I don't think we know. When they finally got the river to flow in reverse and started the institution of his plans, he wasn't even alive. He had already passed away. But his ideas and his legacy and his work lived long after he was gone. You can't tell me that don't sound like God that you make an impact while you're alive, that long after you're gone, your children and your children's children can feel the impact of how you cultivated your home, cultivated your family, cultivated your neighborhood, that Christ is living long after you're gone. And we have a great example, Jesus made an impact on Calvary, come on. And that legacy living long after, his spirit is living long after he is gone and it's impacting generations, generations to generations to generations. And you ready for this? Don't preach me down so fast and don't shout too hard, but it's regardless of color, it's regardless of economical background. That's a good place to clap right there. It's regardless of what side of town you live on. And this is what he sent us here to do. I want to talk about that today, and I want to take a scripture out of the Kingdom Constitution. You like that? Not the Constitution of the United States, because that's for this world. I live according to the Kingdom Constitution, and that is the Holy Bible. And in that Bible, I have the rules and the guidelines for my life and for your life, that if I live according to that, I can have the inheritance that our Father left me and you. Is that okay? Let's go to the book of Judges. Judges, the sixth chapter. Y'all keep me timed, I need a good report card. So I wanna be on time, I wanna come back. Judges, the sixth chapter, verses 11 through 15. Look what it says. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Oprah, not Winfrey, that pertained unto Joash the Abrazzarite and his son Gideon, threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befalling us? Sounds like that river. And where be all the miracles which our fathers told us of? Saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? Talking about being sent. And he said unto him, O Lord, where shall I save Israel? Behold, here's the part. My family is poor in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. I wanna use that scripture to hone in and to bring in the series that Pastor Scott has been sharing with us the last several weeks. But what I say, I don't want to make it law. Because if I say it's law, then you'll have to strive. Kind of like, you know, when you're driving, trying to keep the speed limit, you kind of force yourself to have to do it. I want to plant a seed. Because if I plant a seed, then the growing is not on what I say. The growing and the watering is on the Holy Spirit. So I want to plant a seed in your spirit that will grow far beyond this church service. And here's one of the seeds. I don't believe that God wants us to be dependent upon this world. I just don't. I don't believe that God wants us to be distracted by this world. And I don't believe that God wants us to pay attention to the deception of this world. This world has its own agenda. And as long as we stay dependent upon it, as long as we stay distracted, as long as we start buying into the deception, we can never come together as the body of Christ. We'll have the news, we'll have people with their own agenda trying to keep us separate because of the color of our skin, because the ideation of what they believe and how they want us to live when we are the body of Christ. That's a good place to clap right there. We're we're part of the same body. We're part of the same kingdom, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We have the same Savior who shed his blood on Calvary for all of us. Amen. And every time we stand here and every time we share with you, we want to deposit that seed to wean you off the deception, the dependency and watch this, and and, and the distraction of this world, that if we feed you the word of God, you'll be ready to take hell on with a water pistol. Yeah. We feed you the word of God that you will see that God wants to use you and I to make a difference in this world. And the first point I want to put up there, that God is not interested in your excuses. God, I I heard somebody almost made me shout right there. God is not interested in your excuses. Growing up in the inner city of Detroit, Michigan, My mom been on welfare my whole life. As a young boy, watching us struggle, sometimes having to walk past our home because we just got evicted because my mom was a young 20-year-old trying to figure out life by herself. Could have made an excuse. I could have said that it's the society, it's the way things are, it's the laws that's trying to keep me. But something on the inside of me would not let me live the excuse that God did not have something better for me. And I'm going to live the rest of my life preaching the gospel because it was the gospel that made me see that greater is he that's in me. Come on, that's a good place right there. Then he that's trying to stop me. God is not interested in your excuses. And then I made the mistake of reading my Bible. And I found out that there, has, there is a list of people. Man, I feel like running past this. God, I know this is early in the morning. Y'all pray for me. Hold my mule while I shout. There's a, the Bible's full of people that God used that had issues and had circumstances that tried to give God excuses and God still used them. Can I call the road? Moses killed a man, tried to hide him in the dirt, ran from Egypt, and God made him go right back and face what he buried in the sand. Isn't that just like our lives, some of us? We've tried to hide some things. We got some issues that nobody really knows about. And we're scared that people are going to bring up what we've gone through, what we've done. And God's saying, as soon as you can face what you have buried in the sand, I'll make you a deliverer of my people. As soon as you face those fears in the back of your mind, I'll make you solve some problems that will save a whole nation. Moses had issues, Moses had a history. And then there was David, come on, there was David. Long before he even slept with Uriah's wife, David had an issue. When the prophet was looking for a king, the Bible said that they paraded all of David's brothers before the prophet. David wasn't there. He was out in the field tending to the sheep. But when, the pe- when his brothers came before the prophet, the oil didn't flow. And the prophet looked at David's daddy, Jesse, and said, is there another one? Because the oil is not moving. His brothers had been ceremonial, clean, dressed up, shaved, looking good, got on some nice cologne, and the oil still said no. And Jesse said, I have one more son. He's out there tending to the sheep, and here comes David running in straight from the field. Not ceremonial clean, didn't shave, didn't bathe, got before the prophet, and guess what flowed on the stench of working in the pasture? Guess what flowed on the stench of his past, being an illegitimate child of Jesse? The oil of God. You can't tell me God doesn't specialize in using messed up people to deliver his people. You can't tell me that God did not bring us here, regardless of our past, regardless of our differences, to make an impact in this world. God is not interested in your excuses. He wants to use you. Peter was a liar. Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times before the crow the the, 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 the rooster crows and he's no I'm not God <laughs> he wants to do it through his people and so now here it is Gideon I'm right here in the text Gideon is saying hey why me my family is the least of the tribes and in my family I'm the black sheep of the family. I'm the least of my family. You can never use me. And God looks at Gideon. The angel looks at Gideon right there in the wine press and says, you are a mighty man of valor. Isn't that like God to look at you in the middle of your problem, in the middle of your circumstance, and speak life into you? Saying Yes, you can graduate college. Yes, you can start the business. I know you don't have a business owner in your family. Yes, you can own a home. Yes, you can. And he spoke that word into Gideon, and he began to employ Gideon. Gideon realized that his situation, his situation had nothing to do with the power of God operating in him. Let me help you out. The custom during those times that if you were born into a family and the family was poor, it's called casting, we know, you were destined to be poor. There's nothing you can do about it to change it. Those were laws and ordinances that ostracized and disenfranchised people that you could be no more than what you were born into. And so Gideon was willing to accept that. That casting system its the same way with the woman with the issue of blood. It's the same way with the lepers. It's the same way with the blind man. That the woman with the issue of blood, that she had been sick for so long that they put her outside of the city to be colonized, to die. But she heard one day that a man by the name of Jesus was walking through the town. And she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, these 12 years wouldn't matter nothing to me. If I can just come in contact with the Lord, my past wouldn't even matter. My issues wouldn't even be a a problem right now. And she touches the hem of the garment, and because of that contact, coming in contact with the Lord, erases the last 12 years of being separated from her family because of her issues. Imagine if this world can come in contact with the Lord. Imagine, regardless of race, regardless of color, regardless of economical background, if we can get people to come in contact with the Lord, we wouldn't need a political party. Politicians wouldn't have an agenda to try to sell us and then don't come through with it because the gospel of Jesus Christ will be reigning free in the the lives of his people. So we've all had some Gideons in our lives. Amen? People thought of every excuse for God not to use them. Some of us today, even myself, I thought of some excuses. God, no. Being 20 years in the military, God, I've, I've partied too hard. I've had my shares of bosses' night. There's no way you can put the gospel in my mouth. God, I've been raised by a single parent. Dad wasn't there. There's no way you can use me. And one day, sitting in my bedroom on the backside of depression, battling PTSD, wanted to drink a fifth of liquor and blow my brains out. Got too drunk, passed out, and God appeared to me and said, now would you stop running from me? Would you let me use you? You've given everybody else the chance to use you. Relationships use you. Marine Corps used you. But you've never let me use you. That's a good place. That's a good place. And when I woke up, because it was a dream, I woke up. And I went to church with my my grandmother that Sunday. And I stood up and I couldn't stop talking. And do you not know that everything that I lost, God gave it back to me double? (laughs) Wait, no. Not that little boy from Detroit, Michigan. Not the boy that grew up on welfare. Not the kid that didn't have a father. Are you trying to tell me God will use him? I'm telling you God is using him. And I'm telling you, God is using you. And you know what? And I'm ready to chip away at every wall that seeks to divide God's people. Color, race. I I, 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 I got answers for those, and it's in the Bible. You want to hear them? Watch this. God created Adam out of the dust of the ground. Adam stood there didn't move, didn't say a word, didn't name not one animal until God breathed into his nostrils. So it wasn't the dust and the color of the dust that made Adam who he was. That's a good place to clap because I'm going somewhere. It wasn't the dust that made Adam who he was. So it's not the color of your skin that makes you who you are. It's what God puts in you that gives you your character. He breathed into his nostrils. And I want everybody to be proud of your culture, but let me tell you something. Even Martin Luther King says, don't judge a man by the color of his skin, but the content of his character. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you your character and gives you who you are. That's why Jesus says you must be born Your first birth gives you your human side, but your rebirth gives you the consciousness of God. That when you have God's consciousness, you think like God, you talk like God, you act like God, you love like God. Do you know why Jesus went about healing? It wasn't to make a name for himself. He came from a place. Was he, he wasn't used to seeing blind people. He wasn't used to seeing people hungry and lame. And he was fully man, but he was fully God. And he says, I can't look at this and not do something about it. So he healed it. Same way with Gideon, there was a problem. The people were being oppressed and Gideon tried to make an excuse. And here's my next point. Your condition doesn't change your position with God. It doesn't matter what your condition is, your physical condition or what you may be in, we have a heavenly position with God. Look what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says. And he raised us up together. Everybody say together. Yes. No, are you kidding me? We're together? Are you serious? We're, we're together? With him when we believed and seated us with him in heavenly places because we, we are in Christ Jesus. Amen. So though I'm standing here, I am also seated. Amen. I'm seated there. Amen. And guess what? We're together. Amen. So if we're together up there. Why can't we be together down here? It's that deception. It's the world that wants to keep us divided. Because if we ever come together as the body of Christ, man, we'll run this devil out of this town. And you can't tell me we can't do it. It can be done. It will be done. If we have preachers that will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and not personal agendas, if we stop listening to politicians who don't know the Lord. Come on, that's a good place to clap. We are a spirit and we just don't have it. We are a spirit. We have God's spirit on the inside of us. And it's that spirit that gives us the consciousness of God. God gave Israel his chosen people, over to the Midianites because they ran after false gods, after all God had done for them. They began to build their own idols. And because of that oppression, God allowed the Midianites to oppress the people of Israel. Watch this. And so the children of Israel started living in caves and dens to avoid the oppression. And they got comfortable living in caves, outside of the land that God promised them. I know you don't get it. I'm getting ready to tell you what I'm saying. How is it that God can give us his promises? We begin to build our own gods, our jobs. Don't have time to come to church. I I got work to do. Our homes, I just got work around the house I have to do. My career, after all God has done for us, We built false gods. And now they're comfortable living outside of the land that God gave to them. And we have that same uh, issue. We're not supposed to be struggling as the people of God. We're not supposed to conform to this world. We're supposed to be in charge. Can I say that better? We're the doctors, God's people. We're the lawyers, God's people. We're the teachers, God's people. Come on. And if anybody's going to run this world, it should be God's people. But yet we'll sit back and hide in our caves. That has nothing to do with me. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. He sent us here to stand for what's right. This world wants to destroy the very image of God. And I don't want to offend anybody, but when husband and wives come together, it's the very depiction of God. In the husband is protection and provision. In the wife, there's comfort and compassion. When they come together, they reproduce after God's own kind. I won't get too many amens on that, but I'm going to stand for it. And the more we can get away from that, the less you will see of God. But there has to be a people that say, you know what? I'm not hiding in the cave no more concerning this. It's time for us to make a stand for the Lord. Here we go. So they start hiding out in caves, got comfortable, not willing to live, and God raises up Gideon to do a great work for him. We cannot give up. We cannot sit back and just watch this world take over. When the kingdom should be now. The kingdom should be advancing. God's people should be in charge. Your condition doesn't change your position with God. And here's my last one. And I'm going to finish up. For every tribulation, there's a date of expiration. For every tribulation, Oh, it's up on the screen. That's nice. (laughs) For every tribulation, there's a date of expiration. Chapter six, Gideon is complaining. Chapter seven, he's a mighty man in battle. Chapter six, he's talking about he's the least of his family. Chapter seven, he's winning wars. Y'all missed that, I'm gonna work this side. Y'all didn't hit the ball back, I'm going over here. Chapter 6, he's complaining to God. Chapter 7, people are destroying themselves. The enemy knows he's coming. Chapter 6, he's complaining and whining, oh, I can't do this. And Chapter 7, he's victorious. Did you catch that? I went to a public school. Did you catch that? <laughs> chapter 6 is different than Chapter 7. You won't know it until you turn the page. You won't know it until you turn the page. You can't get stuck in your tribulation. It's going to come to an end sooner or later if you hang on to the Lord. Are you willing? I, I, I heard my voice right there. Are you willing to turn the page? What's the next chapter in your life? What is God telling you to do that if you get stuck right here, you'll never experience God's power in your life? Turn the page and find out that God can add anything to courage. Amen. Can add anything to courage if you just turn the page. For every tribulation, there's a date of expiration. God specializes in rivers. You wanna hear? I'm I'm, I'm cutting across the pasture now. When he delivered the children of Israel, they had to cross some water. But there was no way across it. And God blew some wind and backed up the Red Sea. When they got ready to cross to the promised land and the priest's feet touched the water in the Jordan River, the Jordan River split, backed up, reversed for the people to cross over. Jesus was even baptized in the Jordan. And the Jordan was considered to be a nasty river because all of the water system flowed out of Israel and all of that in the Jordan. That's why when the prophet told Naaman to go and dip himself seven times, he's like, I'm not dipping in that nasty water. And when he came up for the seventh time, he was clean. When you read the Bible, Jesus has always specialized in reversing the river. He's always done it. It's the reason why he came. It's the reason why you're here. It's the reason why we're born-again Christians. Not black and white, I got that. But who are we really? We are the very embodiment of the power of God. That when we see hunger, we fix it. When we see destitution, we fix it. When we, see, when we see sickness, we heal it. It qualifies when he says, greater works shall you do. It's time. No more hiding in caves. No more ostracizing yourself from each other. It's time to come together as the body of Christ and show this world who we are. I take it by the clap, the sounding of the clapping of hands. You're ready. I'm ready. And if you push it from Northport, we'll push it from Moundville. And we'll meet in the middle and have a revival this city will never forget. How many of you are ready? Let me see your hands. Yes. I see the truets. I met them earlier today. I see you. Let's do it. Let's start today. Can I pray? You mind if I pray? Now listen to me. When I pray, it happens. So if you don't want me to pray for you, this is a good time to exit. If you if you don't want to be dancing and, and and speaking and praying over you don't want to be shouting at home and crying, and you don't know why you cry, don't you don't want me to pray for you because when I I have a history with God that what I ask for in Jesus' name, oh man. He gives it to me. Are you ready? Are you ready for change? Are you ready to do something? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you today for your power that's in us. And God, we ask for forgiveness. If we sat back and we did not operate to our full potential, Lord, forgive us. You sent us here to make a difference. And God, we stand on today That as your power sets down in this place, we are changed now forever. Our homes are changed. Our marriages are changed. Our children are changed now. That we will be the light in this dark world. And we will take steps every day of our life. I see your hands lifted. That we will begin to reverse the river. Hunger is our problem to solve. Destitution is our problem to solve. Racism is our problem to solve. Hate is our problem to solve. COVID-19 has to leave this world. It's our problem to solve. Cancer has to bow down. Diabetes has to bow down. God, depression cannot take residence in our mind. No longer in the matchless name of Jesus, the Christ. The devil knows his name. And by the blood of Jesus... We pleaded all over this world. We are the ones that can get in contact with you. We're your children. You cannot deny our voice. Move in our lives today. Do a great work, God. And we will live for you now and forever. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. And I'm asking the people of God, to say amen, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.